And I tell you what, I'm, I'm very glad to see you all here this morning. And I mean that not just because I miss us being together, but this room is a lonely place most of the week. I spend quite a bit of time in here on my own, especially the last two or three weeks when we've been trying to put together all of the uh, equipment and doing the replacements and the repairs that we can do and trying to fix all the problems. Um, I've been in here by myself a lot, and it's a lonely place. So it's very good to see you in your place this morning. I, I think it's important for us to be together. This COVID stuff has really set us back, hadn't it? It's, um, this has been a difficult time. It's gotten where Lisa and I kind of have a, a kind of a running joke, I guess. It's not funny, but um, every time something else goes wrong, we just look at each other and say it's still 2020. It's just been that year. This has been a rough time. You and I have a, a choice to make about, about this season, about um, COVID specifically, but all the other craziness that's gone on this year as well. And that is this. We can choose to just make it through just hold on and survive until this is finally all done. Or we can choose to find ways to grow and learn through this experience. Do we really want the COVID chaos to be a waste of our time? Or could we find ways, find things that we can learn from this experience? And that has been heavy on my mind lately. And one of the things that I think I have been reminded of, perhaps, perhaps I took it for granted until COVID, and I've been reminded of our need for people. God made us that way. Do you know that? He made us as social creatures. I was, during the Family Five, I was talking about how God created this, and he said, it's good. He created that. He said, it's good, it's good, it's good. He created man. He said, now, this is very good. The first time that God said something wasn't good was when he said, it is not good that man should be alone and created for him a helpmate. He created Eve. And from, from the beginning, he built within us a need for community. This time has separated us necessarily, but that need is still within us, and there's something driving us to connect with other people. I think that that really is the essence of the church, 
to a large degree. I think the church is God's people gathered. God's people gathered. Um, You know, on your own, you are a believer. You're a Christian. You're a Christ follower. uh, You're a disciple. You got it. But you're not the church on your own. The church is Christ followers in community, gathered. Probably you grew up like I did, hearing Hebrews 10 and 25 used almost as a guilt trip to make sure everybody went to church. Hebrews 10, 25 says, let us not forsake the gathering together, which is the habit of some. And perhaps you grew up like I did, hearing that verse every once in a while, just as a reminder, now you need to be in church. But you know that verse means a whole lot more than showing up on Sunday at 10.15. Matter of fact, the people in the New Testament time would not have known anything about showing up in one building on a Sunday morning once a week for a short hour. Instead, when it says not to forsake the gathering, it meant you are now family in Christ. You are a community. Be there for each other. Gather together in homes. Spend time together. Check on one another. Love on one another. Keep it together. I think that's a major part of our church life which, by the way, speaks to the value of life groups or perhaps small group type of Sunday school class. It is those folks who have had those connections in life group or meaningful Sunday school connections that have gotten through this time with greater ease because They're still a part of the gathered church. We need each other. We're built that way. And with that in mind, this has been this has been difficult time. Because uh, I don't remember a time that I personally have felt so lonely during the week. I've spent Hours every day working on the lightning recovery. Today we don't have projection because um, the wires up there, the the cables that run over our heads are all going to have to be replaced. And we've replaced a lot of the, the computer equipment, but there's a whole lot more still to be done. Matter of fact, the reason that we haven't gathered the last few weeks is not COVID. The reason that we haven't gathered is because we didn't have the equipment that would allow us to worship in a meaningful way. Just recently, JT was able to, to finalize redoing the sound. Most of the sound that we have today has, has been reworked or replaced or re, uh, uh, repaired. I wasn't willing to try to do church without sound so because I wanted everybody to be able to hear what's going on. 
And we also, I didn't want, I'm not willing to do church unless we can live stream now because the people who stay at home are a part of our church and we're not going to leave them out. And so it was important for us to get our live streaming working before we could meet together again. And by the way, that happened less than 24 hours ago. We, f we finally got live streaming ready yesterday. And we still have some problems with it this morning. I've been getting texts about some issues. I want you to know that we're working hard to make it happen. But this has been a major setback. We're going to continue to work on it. We're going to make it come together. But this is tough. And so it's, it's important for you and for me to find ways to stay in touch and stay connected. The church can't provide it all on Sunday morning at 1015 right now. So we need to do that. We need to be the church for one another. And I encourage you to keep that in mind. Keep working with us um, and, uh, and take care of each other. With that in mind, I want us to continue our walk through the book of Philippians. Because that's really, that's really the heart of the next paragraph in chapter 2. It is our need for one another and how we can stay connected, how we can continue to take care of one another. I want us to look in Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to begin at verse 19. As we begin there, um, Paul is going to talk to us about two of his friends. And as we read through the description of these two friends, we're going to be able to uh, glean from that three words for each friend that describe friendship. We begin with Timothy. In chapter, in chapter 2, verse 19, Paul first begins to talk about Timothy. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. He, Timothy is, um, has, has been with Paul and has been traveling with him. It is, it is even possible and very likely that he is the one who's actually writing the words on the paper as Paul tells him what to write. The book of Philippians begins in verse 1, chapter 1, Paul and Timothy servants of Christ Jesus. In other words, they're both working together to write this letter. So Timothy is with Paul, and Paul says, I'm looking forward to that time when I can send Timothy. I hope I'm going to be able to do that soon because I want to hear good news about what's going on in your lives, Philippians. Remember, the point of the book of Philippians is choose joy. And this is another way that Paul is choosing joy. I want to hear the good news about what God's doing in your life. See, he's writing a whole letter here about the way God is working and the way God's moving in, in his life. Paul is sharing with them reasons to rejoice about what's happening in his life. And he says, now I want to have reasons to rejoice about what's happening in your life as well. And so he says, I'm going to send Timothy. And, and I want to hear good things. 
Well, he, he says then in verse, uh, beginning of verse 20, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. He says, of all the people I know, Timothy is the one guy who has the right motives, who has the, 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 the right reason for living. He, he says, in essence, Timothy is so close to the Lord and he's doing things to serve the Lord. He is not like most of the other people I know. He says in verse 21, they all seek their own interests. Well, that describes almost everybody you and I know, doesn't it? They seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And when he says that, he's saying that Timothy is different than that. In verse 20, I have no one like him who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. The others are worried about themselves instead of Jesus, but not Timothy. It's very interesting to see the difference between chapter 2, verse 21, and chapter 1, verse 21. Chapter 1, verse 21 is very familiar to you. It is where Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. Compare that to 2.21. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Christ. Paul is able to say of Timothy, he is a Christ follower. We glean from that that one word that, that we want to begin our discussion about friendship with the word faith faith. You want your closest friends to be people of faith. Now, should you have lost friends? You bet. Matter of fact, I'd even go so far as to say if you don't have lost friends, then you're not being salt and light in the world. Should you have lost friends? Absolutely. However, those friends that are your closest friends, those friends that you share a part of your life with, those friends that, that, that walk through life with you should be other Christ followers. Why? Because if you are a Christ follower, Christ is leading this direction, you're following Christ. If your friend is not following Christ, then he or she is going in a different direction. And one of two things is going to happen. If your friend is not following Christ, they're going in a different direction. They are either going to pull you in their direction, which means you're now no longer following Christ very closely, or the other thing that is going to happen is that friend is going to go their way and you're going to stay following Christ and you, the friendship is going to have problems. So you want your closest friends to be other Christ followers who are headed in the same direction that you're headed in as you follow the same Jesus. Timothy was a good friend to Paul because Timothy was a man of faith. 
The second word that we can glean from this paragraph that describes friendship is trust. Look at the next verse. Uh, We're in verse 22. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. You know Timothy's proven worth. Proven worth means that he, we've seen him over and over. He has proven himself over and over. That's trust. We can trust Timothy because we've seen who he is. He has that proven worth. We can trust him. I don't know that there's anything more valuable in a friendship than trust. I'm really enjoying our life group right now, and we have, an, we have a covenant in our life group that we don't uh, talk about what, what is said in that group. We don't talk about it outside the group, so I'm not going to get into details this morning, but I, do, I did want to just share with you that we are have, we're going through a, a really good season in my life group right now. We're, we're, we've had some very interesting and very deep and very personal discussions lately. We're getting into some, some really good stuff. And it occurred to me the other night while we were, we were simply observing the fact that we're getting into some really good discussions lately, it occurred to me we could not have done that even just a couple of years ago because it takes time to build that trust. We have to prove ourselves worthy over time. Timothy was proven worth. He had had proven his worth, built his trust. I tell you what, there's, there's not much better outside of a marriage relationship. There's not much better than knowing I have a friend I can trust at all times. There's a friend I know I can call. I know that my friend is going to keep my secrets. I know that my friend is going to love me no matter what. I can trust this person. I don't know that there's much better outside of a marriage relationship on a human level. Trust is a major key to understanding friendship. And then I think we learn from Timothy as well the third word, which would be service. In verse 21 again, he, or verse 22 again, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also, Paul says, as soon as I find out what, what Caesar's going to do to me, I'm going to send Timothy, and he's going to be able to come and share with you guys, and I can't wait for that to happen. Maybe even I get to come with him, but look how he described him. He said he had proven his worth as a son with a father he has served with me. There is an, a, a, a key, another key element to friendship, and that is serving one another. I go back to the night that Jesus shared with his disciples the night before he died. And I think, you know, if, if that was me, 
which is always a dangerous thing to say when you're talking about Jesus. If I was, that was me. But if that were me that night, I was the leader and I was leaving, I think I would, ha- I think I would probably want to spend most of my time making sure that my legacy was going to continue. Here's the things I need you to know. Here's the things I need you to do. Here are the things that I need you to continue in my name so my legacy can continue. And you know that's basically what Jesus did. Only I would have spent all night telling the guys what to say and what to do. Jesus accomplished the very same thing by picking up a bowl and a towel and washing their feet. He showed them how to carry on his legacy. He served. And then he said, guys, you call me master, and you're right, by the way, I am your master. If the master serves you, You're not above the master, so now you should serve like I did. Go and serve one another. He said that to his 12 friends. Serving is a major part of what it means to be a friend. Timothy, as, uh, as we look at the relationship between Paul and Timothy, we, we hear faith, we hear trust, we hear service. Their friendship kind of reminds me to a degree of the friendship of Jim and Philip that John Maxwell tells about. John Maxwell told about Jim and Philip, who did everything when they were kids. They, they went to high school together. They went to college together. After college, they joined the Marines. Once they were in the Marines, they wound up serving together in Germany. They fought side by side in one of history's ugliest wars. And during that fierce battle, they were given the command to retreat. As the men were running back, Jim noticed that Philip hadn't returned with the others. And Jim begged his commanding officer to let him go after his friend. But the commanding officer wouldn't let him go. He said, if you go back into that firefight, it'll be suicide. Jim disobeyed, however, and he went after Philip. His heart pounding, he ran into the gunfire calling out for Philip. A short time later, his platoon saw him hobbling across the field, carrying a limp body in his arms. The commanding officer shouted at Jim for his outrageous risk. He said, your friend is dead. There was nothing you could do. No, sir, Jim replied. I got there just in time. Before Philip died, he said, I knew you would come. Man, what a friend. Paul had a good friend in Timothy. He also had a good friend in Epaphroditus. Let me take the few short remaining minutes to share with you Epaphroditus, verse 25. I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, 
and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. (laughs) What happened was uh, the Philippians sent Epaphroditus to bring an an offering, really, to, to bring money to Paul. Epaphroditus brought that money to Paul, and once he brought the money, he stayed and kind of took care of Paul. They strengthened their friendship over time. So that's what it means when it says uh, that that, uh, he was your messenger and minister to my need. He was bringing the money as their messenger, and he ministered to his friend Paul. And so the, uh, the first word that comes to mind as we look at Paul's friendship with Epaphroditus is connection. Did you hear how he described his friend, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier? There's a connection there. I think of this guy as my brother. I mean, I'm, I'm on the front lines of the spiritual battle, and he's a fellow soldier right there working with me. He is my fellow worker. He's my partner. Friendship means connection. I was, I guess, about fourth grade, maybe fifth grade, when I got to be friends with Ronnie. Ronnie and I were in a scout troop together. We went to the same school, but I think we really got to be friends in scouts and then realized we were at the same school. We went up through scouts together. We stayed in school together, went through junior high, all the way through high school together. We were in band together. We went to church together. I finally, after waiting way too long, I finally invited him to church with me, and he wound up coming to know the Lord and stayed in church with us. Through college, we hung out together, and we were friends. He was, he was what I called my first friend in my wedding. In, in my family, there are three brothers, and we all kind of took turns being each other's best man. And so in the wedding, there was, there was me and my brother and then my next brother. And then my, but my first friend was Ronnie. Through the years, Ronnie's got his family, and I have my family. He works in a different in a different kind of job than I do. We live in different towns. We don't really hang out much anymore. But every single time I go through a rough spot, there's Ronnie. He either calls or shows up. There's a connection. That's the kind of friendship that Christian brothers can have. That's the kind of connection that God wants us to have with one another. That's friendship. Very few people in your life can have that kind of connection with you. I think too often we wait to to, to have friendships develop or, or we look around and we we try, to, we try to fake a real connection with too many people. 
Look at Jesus' life. He had thousands of followers. At one point in the Scriptures, we're told that he only had 120 who actually followed him from place to place. And then of that 120, there were really only 12 that he considered friends that he hung out with all the time. And within that circle of friends, there were three that were his best friends, connected to these three guys. When he's going into the garden to cry out to God the Father, let this cup pass from me, these are the guys that he wanted in the garden with him. When he was going up on the mountain to meet with God and allow his glory to be revealed just a little bit, these were the three guys that he wanted with him. These are the tight connections that he had in friendships. And then even then, there was that one, the disciple whom Jesus loved, his one very best friend. That's what I'm talking about, a connection with one or two, maybe three. I'm not saying that we have this connection. Don't don't put yourself in an unhealthy place of trying to figure out this kind of connection with everybody. This is a small handful This is Timothy and Paul. This is Epaphroditus and Paul, and that's probably it for Paul. But there was a connection, a partnership. Next word that we find in the description of Epaphroditus might be compassion. Look at verse 26. This one blows my mind. Look at this. He has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. <laughs> he he's a, Epaphroditus is upset because he's worried that the Philippians might be worried that he's sick. I don't know. I, I tell you what, when I get sick, I'm laid up on the couch. I'm moaning and groaning. I'm crying. I'm fussing. I want the whole world to show up and bring me that chicken soup. I want everybody to know I'm hurting. Epaphroditus. He's sick, and he's worried about the the fact that the Philippians might be concerned about him. That's compassion. That's amazing compassion. And it says in verse uh, 27, indeed, he was ill, not to death. He didn't die from it. That's good. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Paul says if he had died, that'd just be another sorrow on top of all the other sorrows that I have to face. So I'm glad he, glad he's okay. Verse 28, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. I can't wait for you to see him so that you can rejoice again, and that'll make me less anxious knowing you're happy. You hear that compassion from Paul and Epaphroditus? There's a compassion there that that causes them to think of the other first. Remember, that's how this chapter started, by the way. Chapter 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That's friendship. And my time is up, but but there is one more, and I'll share it very quickly. In 29, we hear that, that third word, that describes the friendship with Epaphroditus, and that is the word sacrifice. Listen, so receive him in the Lord with all joy 
Honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. He risked his life, Paul says, to take care of me. That's sacrifice. That's a huge sacrifice. And I don't know that we can have genuine friendship without sacrifice. So we say, well, my goodness, those are great friends. Friendship that includes faith, trust, service, a connection, compassion, sacrifice. That's great friends. How can I have friends like that? Ralph Waldo Emerson helps us. It was he who said to have a friend, be a friend. How do you get to have friends like this? You be friends like this. One of the best decisions I ever made in my ministry was a few years ago we were at a Waco Baptist Association meeting. We were talking about the importance of covenant groups. And I looked around the room and I thought, man, I wish I could be in a covenant group. I wish somebody would ask me to join their covenant group. I kind of feel left out. I'm kind of on my own. I'm the only one in West. I'm, I'm, everybody else is over here in Waco and big churches. They got things going on and I'm kind of by myself. And I wish somebody would ask me to be in a covenant group. And then it hit me. Instead of feeling sorry for yourself and waiting for someone else to put that together to be your friend... What's stopping you from reaching out to them? And that day before we left, I went around the room and I said, hey, would you be in a covenant group with me? Would you be in a covenant group? And we put together our covenant group that morning. And from that day, I have learned that I can't sit around and wait for somebody to be my friend. What I can do is be this kind of friend so that I wind up with these kinds of friendships. There is a third friend included in the text, although it may be a little more subtle than the other two. But we hear that Timothy would seek the interest of Jesus Christ. And Epaphroditus suffered to do the work of Christ. There is that third friend there, Jesus himself. And look at how these words apply to him. Faith, trust, service. There's a connection. He showed compassion like no one else. And what a sacrifice. There is no better friend than he.